You're listening to The Big Show with Russick and Rose on the official home of your Calgary Flames, Sportsnet 960 The Fan. It's The Big Show, Russick and Rose, Sportsnet 960 The Fan, live from Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio. It's the morning before the gigantic beer league game tonight down at Winsport. The broadcast gets going at 6.30 right here on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. We're going to bask in the afterglow tomorrow. I'll tell yeah, you we are. Well, definitely, because we're going to get our glow on tonight. Yeah. Um, text line's blowing up already. Thank you. Um, give us your unwritten beer league rules that you live by. 960, 960, name and location. I think uh, I think we're going to lube up Texty McTexterson or Sportsnet 960, the fan text reading robot. I hate when you say And that. he'll read that. Uh, he'll read some of those later. And uh, later on this hour, too, uh, Jack Han, uh, the hockey tactics newsletter and coaching consultant, will join us. He had a scathing piece on Jonathan Huberto. He also he he's a great coaching type of mind. Uh, I've chatted with him before. Last year, around this time of year, he had a book he released that kind of broke down a whole bunch of strategies for NHL teams. It was very informative and quite interesting. So look forward to the chat. Now we'll talk to him later on. But right now, our Sportsnet nine sixty NHL insider Frank Saravalli, brought to you by. South Trail Chrysler, with inventory shortages across the city, it's the perfect time to sell your vehicle for cash. Visit SouthTrailChrysler.com. Frank, good morning. How are you? I'm good. My number one rule for beer league yeah. is to not be a hardo. Yeah, we got that already. A game guy. seven right? Yeah. I mean, look, I uh, first off, thanks for the invite, by the way, because that would have been right up my alley, and I, I had my gear. I was out your way last week. I was in Jasper. <laughs> I played in a little pond hockey tournament, but uh, thankfully I didn't need the AED paddles, which I made sure were nearby the pond uh, just in case. Um, yeah, I, I kind of agree with you. You need the uh, you, you can't be a game sevener if you're a beer league guy. Now, uh, if I'm not mistaken, Frank, this was your first time that you had actually skated on pond ice rather than groomed ice. Is that Ooh, correct? La, la, Frank. This this is correct, and and it's actually I feel kind of embarrassed to admit that, but it was it, it was it was really an adjustment. Like the first time I've ever played on uneven ice that isn't you know in a nice indoor rink somewhere. So mm. it was. I got to tell you, the first game of our pond hockey shinny tournament, it was uh, I was riding the struggle bus. <laughs> <laughs> did you, did you trip? Did you fall a couple times? Well, actually, the craziest part was they had the uh, they had this warming hut mm, where yep. you would you, you put your gear on and then you'd go down like a series of uh, plywood boards to get to the actual pond itself. Mm-hmm. The problem was like some of them of the boards were properly iced and some of them were just like straight up like not yep. and just plywood. So yep. you'd kind of like glide down and then just Stop. like, w- like what? Yeah. yeah. So uh, I'm, I'm going to be honest. I, I, and I borrowed a stick too. So I get to the bottom and I'm like, Oh my God, like I didn't even get on the ice yet. What's happening? <laughs> And then I, I hit I didn't I didn't see it. There was a big rut and chip in the ice because it was pretty warm out there. Yeah. In the days before we got there, it was actually like plus one or two, and um, so I ate it. And then I went to get back up, but I borrowed my buddy's stick, and it was an eighty flex. Oh no! And I usually rock a one ten, and I was like, oh my god, that did not provide the proper support necessary to get up. 
Needed a little oh, bit yeah. more of a was... balance, a little bit more of a, a lever to get you up. I know what you mean. I was absolutely sweating bullets by the time I got to the actual rink itself. And the guy was like, hey, you okay? What's wrong with you? I'm like, all good, man. Just a, just a new guy here. Um, what, what's, what's, what rule do you have for guys bringing beers to the dressing room after? How does that work? How do you, how do you think you it should rule? go? That's the, the rule is you have to. Yeah. And you just take turns, right? That's how It's like Jim's turn, then it's Bob's turn, then it's uh, Frank Cervalli's turn, right? A hundred percent, but okay. what, what is your beer of choice? Like that—that's the big question. Well, you're again. I don't want to disparage American. You need beer something easy drinking. So for me, like my post-game beer of choice, yeah, is a Miller High Life. What's Ooh, a, it's, okay, it's not bad. I, I like that choice. My team's uh, beer of choice is uh, a case of Snurs, just a box of cubes, uh, a cube of Pilsners, box of cubes. Huh. I like it. Well, uh, yeah, my friends, my buddies call them Miller Low Lowlifes, but whatever. Okay, that's fine. <laughs> um, I, uh, my friends and I, for the Super Bowl, Frank, uh, we've been doing this now for a few years. Uh, we take drinks and food from the Super Bowl teams, and we have it, you know, this year. So I'm excited that Philadelphia is in the Super Bowl. Uh, I've already looked up that Yingling is a Philadelphia brand beer that we're going to be rocking at the Super Bowl party. Your thoughts? It is. Uh, that's a quality selection. We've got quite a few... Uh, I don't know if you can get them out your way. Maybe I could send you a case. It might be hard for customs, but we've got quite a few local breweries. Yards is one of them. Mm. What, I'm more interested in your food selection. What do you have going? Like, are, are, are cheesesteaks are the obvious? Yeah, of course. What kind and what? What are your condiments and toppings? That's that's the real well, authentic question. Well, again, my my friends listen to the show and they'll be attending the Super Bowl party. What should be on a real cheesesteak here? Because cheese whiz is definitely one of the things that has to go on it too, right? Well, see, I actually don't like cheese whiz. Uh, my preference is American cheese. Okay. And if you go to the right place in Philly, they actually have like a vat of liquid melted American cheese, which mm. is the best parts of whiz, but not taste like it's, it's from a can. Right. Yeah. Um, and then topping wise, like, look, there's only one thing you can actually put on a cheesesteak in the eyes of a Philadelphian and consider it authentic. And it's, Onions, you know, caramelized grilled onions, and that's it. The question is always with or without, and that means with or without onions. Okay. Mm. So that's it. Just the meat. Anything else you want to put on there? Peppers, mushrooms, lettuce, tomato. That's all BS. Can't do it. Okay. I love it. So good. Is there anything else in underrated food from Philadelphia that we should know about? Uh, If you're doing cheesesteaks, I would also do a selection of chicken cheesesteaks. So just chicken steak. And, um, my personal favorite is the buffalo chicken cheesesteak. That's the way to go. Okay, awesome. Mm. See, my friends are frantically writing all of this yeah. down for the Super Bowl you know Super what? Bowl party in a week and a half. You know what? If your friends miss it, they can grab the podcast as Yeah, well. absolutely. On Spotify, Apple, Google, or wherever you get your favorite podcast. Nice um, yep. George, who's kidding who? You don't have friends. Come on. Yeah, oh, well, oh, oh Frank. Oh, that, oh, come on. That's low-hanging fruit. Just a little drive-by. Like, my mom's <laughs> going to be there watching the Super Bowl with me. <laughs> Are, are you going back to uh, going back east for this? Or yeah, what? well, it, it also coincides with my my only nephew's 18th birthday, so I'm going back east for it. Ah, I love to see it. Congratulations! Yeah. Thank you. Well, um, yeah, so we have a like my friends and I who I've known for 35 plus years. It's it's a day, Frank. We start at 3 p.m. Eastern. We, Here's the thing. Yeah. I might actually be going to the Super Bowl. Ooh. Ooh. Ooh, oh, ooh la la, Frank. Yeah, buddy. 
Yeah. I had a buddy call me yesterday. Again, yeah, yeah I have no friends, so easy <laughs> low-hanging fruit. He called me yesterday, and he said, look, uh, I have an extra ticket free of charge. Get out of here. Uh, oh. One of those corporate deals. Yeah. And I was like, oh, my schedule is, like, legit jam-packed, but I might be able to make an exception. Yeah, I guess. A free ticket to the Super Bowl. I saw the average price is 4900 U.S., to get into the game, the, the actual face value of the of the upper deck ticket is five thousand two hundred and ten dollars. Oh my god! Lower level is seventy five hundred end zones, and between uh, on the sidelines, lower level is ten k US. Wow! Per ticket face value. Um, and this is this is going to be a good game because Eagles and Chiefs fans travel really well. Like it's going to oh. be an electric atmosphere. You know how many people are remortgaging their houses in Philadelphia today, <laughs> trying to get there? Oh, it's what? unbelievable! Like banks are like like they can't even handle the demand. I'm not even exaggerating. Oh my God! What is Freddie May and Fannie Mac getting involved? So you guys could have another economic collapse in the United States? <laughs> yeah, I, honestly, like how, they don't like they're like I'll go into debt for sixty years. I got to go see the birds play in the Super Bowl. Let's go, birds, man! That's going to be a wow. lot of fun, though. Again, you got to love your team when you're ready to put a second mortgage on your house. <laughs> I, I, you think I'm exaggerating? No, I, I'm, I'm not. I know you, you're not. Even for the, the Super Bowl five years ago in Minnesota, which was a, an even worse destination, like at least Super Bowl Arizona, you're like, man, warm, awesome, fun. Yeah. Scottsdale's amazing. Right. Minnesota was like minus 15, and yet like like people are still in hawk paying it off. That's that's incredible. Um, but just, it was all worth it. No, it was all worth it. Yeah, that's what I was going to ask you. Could you imagine, like, you, you missed out on the first one, you're putting a second mortgage on your house, and then they lose? Entirely possible. Yeah. <laughs> that would be that'd be a tough pill, very tough pill to swallow. Uh, Frank Cervalli, NHL insider, South Trail Chrysler, joining us here on the big show, Russick and Rose, Sportsnet 960, The Fan. Hey, Frank, uh, why the timing of the Bull Horvat deal? It's a really good question. Uh, I think part of it from the Vancouver Canucks perspective is they wanted a clean break coming back from the bye week and all-star break that the, it's been so dramatic this season. How many times have we talked Canucks this year alone? It's been mm-hmm. incredible um, to turn down the noise, turn down the temperature and get a clean break or as much as you can, given that you still have other pieces on your team that you're probably going to be moving. Um, and, and see if you can get that fresh start under Rick Tockett on the back end of, of the bye week. So that's part of it. The timing from the Islanders' perspective is, is really pretty simple. They're trying to get in the race and, and hang in there. And I think once Atu Ratu is put on the table, from the Vancouver Canucks' perspective, that was the main piece that really, I think, put this over the top. And so that allowed them to pull the trigger. That's the guy they wanted. Uh, Frank, what kind of uh, is it a real possibility? Because obviously, when Lou Lamorello makes a deal like that, you think uh, contract extension with the island if he's going to give up those assets. But there's a chance here that they could flip him at the deadline too, right? I'd be shocked. Um, hmm. okay. I think an extension is well down the track. Look, hmm. uh, there's a reason why when I did my top objectives for teams when it comes to the trade deadline. I put the Islanders not in a buyer or seller category, but in only God and Luno category, because that's the truth is, you know, he operates under his own set of uh, rules and parameters. And uh, how many times have we seen contracts get hammered out with a player in the summer and they announce them in like early September? 
like that were done months ago. So they'll announce it when they're good and ready. But my understanding is from people that have direct knowledge of, of Lou Lamarello's thinking that they were not pulling the trigger on this deal unless Bo Horvat was going to be re-signing there. And so um, my guess is it ends up somewhere in the eight times eight neighborhood, maybe a shade lower, a shade higher. Um, but that's sort of uh, where I'd expect it to come in when it's all said and done. Now this kind of opens up the rest of the trade market. I think a lot of eyes turn to Timo Meyer. Are there any other players that you think could be on the move maybe prior to the deadline as we're now into February and about four weeks away? But do you think there's any other players that teams might want to get the get the jump on it like the Canucks did with Bo Horvat? Look at you, Maddie. Timo Meyer next up. How do you know he's going to be number one on the next daily face-off trade targets board that comes out tomorrow? I got a source. Uh, well done by... Well done by you. Um, and, yeah, I, the problem with this trade is I don't think it really has any impact on the market. A lot of the other teams that are in the market to make a move, they're not antsy. Their playoff spot, by nature of the NHL's standings and format, is more or less pretty secure. Very few teams that have the motivation of the Islanders to – try and get back in the race and triple down on their roster um, are antsy to make a move right at this exact juncture. And even from a pure trade perspective, I think the only player that the Horvat trade has an impact on is maybe Ryan O'Reilly. And mm. even then O'Reilly is four years older than Horvat hasn't been nearly as productive this year. So you can kind of deduce where someone like O'Reilly might come in. Um, but so many other guys like Meyer with the qualifying offer at 10 million bucks um, with Kane and Taves, like there's such unique individual circumstances that this trade isn't really market setting. And I, I wish it was. Mm. Uh, I'm intrigued by the Ottawa senators. We saw, of course, the Sens and the flames really make a ton of moves in the off season and hasn't really panned out for either club, but less so for Ottawa. And, it makes me think, what is next for Alex Dabrinkit? Does he stay? Does he go? They moved out a whole slew of picks to bring him in, and he's an RFA. And, and now I think that the question has to be asked, what is your read on the Alex Dabrinkit situation in Ottawa? It's really interesting, and, and not just a whole slew of picks, a whole slew of quality picks. Number seven overall, like yeah. that was a big boy trade to get Alex Dabrinkit. And now the funny thing about as disappointing as this season has been overall for Ottawa, even though they've caught fire of late and have played some of their best hockey going into the break, they, Debrinkit has lived up to basically every part of, of the deal. Um, he's basically been, been a point per game player in that neighborhood the entirety of the season. He's put up more assists than anyone expected that he might. And the big question coming over from Chicago was, how is this guy going to play? Does he still have game once he's no longer playing with Patrick Kane? And the answer to that quite clearly is yes. Now, from a sense perspective, I think you have to try and re-sign him given the assets that were given up for him. If, if you thought it was, it was potentially painful what you paid to get for him, it's going to look even worse in what you'd get back given that qualifying offer that looms. And you want to try and make as big a push, I think, as you can this season, even if you end up falling short. 
it can't be the moral victory of, hey, let's hope that this carries over to next season because it almost never does. But that team needs an aura of good feelings about it, I think, heading into the mm. summer because after winning last summer, they've basically got nothing to show for it. The bigger question with regards to Debrinket and the overall team cap picture is how many $8 million players can you afford? And that's certainly the window that Debrinket is in, probably a little bit north of eight with this season, that the cap gymnastics for a team that's had space for so long becomes a real thing. Frank, how hot are the Patrick Kane take, uh, talks going to get here after the All-Star break? Um, I would say pretty hot. Um, I really did a deep dive on his game this week and went back and watched a lot of his shifts. And I know the production hasn't been there, and I know the season has been off. I think there's been a number of reasons to explain it. I think the nagging hip injury is certainly something that has caught my attention and, and some other teams. But this guy's still an assassin. He just he's he's that good. He's got all the skills to uh, really come in and impact a playoff contending team in such a big way. The complicating factors, as you know, does he want to leave? I think there's a real chance, fifty fifty, maybe even a little bit more, that he just says, you know what, I'm going to see this contract through and figure it out in the summer. Hmm. Because I think the other part of this is. If he's going somewhere, I believe he wants to try and have an extension in place. I don't think he's of the mindset that he wants to go somewhere temporarily and then do it all over again in the summer. His family is now deeply entrenched in Chicago. His dad, his, they've all moved there from Buffalo. Dad, I think his sisters, uh, you know, he's there. Um, his dad is at morning skates, practices. He, he sees like 70 games a year. It's crazy. So he's very much, and his family is very much a part of the Chicago community, and that might be difficult to pry him away from it, but, you know, I think the rubber's going to meet the road here in the next 30 days or 29 days, and I'd expect it to heat up, and he'll have some options on the table that'll probably be pretty tantalizing. Um, Saw the report yesterday, Frank, that NHL viewership in the United States is apparently down 22%. Is that a big cause for concern, even in Canada here, because that obviously would affect hockey-related revenue down the road? Um, is is this something, is it is the NHL panicking about this? Does Obviously, Gary Bettman can't be pleased with that. Is this just a blip? What do you make of that number from yesterday? I don't think it's a blip. Uh, I think it's a real thing and also a real concern. Uh, you're looking at, for perspective, the NHL and their ratings being somewhere in, in the uh, WNBA range in terms of popularity here. And, and for a league that was so excited last year about, you know, the buzz around their new TV partners, you know, you got to deliver. And my fear, and I think the problem is, if, if Gary Bettman is asked about that at his Friday annual State of the League prior to skills, that – we'll hear the same thing that we heard when he was asked about digital dashboard ads. We've, we've polled fans and they like it. And you're like, hold on a second. What? Like read social media. Like there's a complacency and denial that I think exists here that there should be alarms raised. And if there aren't, I would be more concerned. How many years does he have left as commissioner? 30 years yesterday, the dude's 70 years old. Like, how many more years of this, Frank? 
So I don't know the exact answer, and only you know this is in the only God and Gary uh, category. Mm-hmm. However, there was very much speculation last year at the Board of Governors meeting, so 2022, that he received a new five-year extension. With I and I, I have never been able to confirm this. Obviously, he's never going to talk about it. In fact, uh, it was one of the. Uh, it was one of the great scenes of, of covering the Board of Governors. Someone was kind of poking around and asking about it, and uh, one of the reporters, and as he was walking by, he just said, don't embarrass yourself. And uh, I thought that was outstanding. <laughs> but um, we've all been trying to figure it out, and, and the speculation and, and what people have been saying is they think that the executive committee gave him a three-year deal with two more as part of a succession plan on the back end of it. So maybe that gets him to 2025. I think the real answer is Gary Bettman's going to continue to be commissioner of this league for as long as he wants to be. And until he decides that he doesn't want to do it anymore, then I don't think there's going to be any change. Frank, uh, we also heard last week that uh, Valley Sports uh, Regional Branded Sports Networks is headed for bankruptcy. They have the rights for uh, it's about a dozen of the kind of uh, local networks down for NHL teams in the U.S. Just a thought on what this could mean for the NHL and the salary cap moving forward. So full disclosure, uh, I do a bunch of work for Bally Sports as their national hockey insider. Um, I, I wish I knew more about the subject, and this isn't me, um, you know, because of that affiliation, um, sidestepping the question at all. I actually don't know what the real impact is, but the people that I've talked to seem pretty confident that the way this bankruptcy and negotiation is going to play out, obviously the NHL has huge interest and not just the NHL, but also major league baseball with their really big regional rights deals. Uh, All the leagues NBA that are associated with these regional contracts are all they're They're perked up and interested because this could potentially impact everyone's bottom line. But from the people that I've talked to, they seem to be pretty confident in the way this is going to work out, that they'll be able to successfully navigate the, the bankruptcy part of this and come out on the other side ready to go. Frank, um, hopefully uh, you make your way down to the desert uh, for the Super Bowl. And uh, thanks for the, uh, the real Philadelphia cheesesteak uh, experience and the actual toppings if we want to go, like, if you want to be true to the cheesesteak. Thanks for this, pal. Yeah, my pleasure. And and I don't know if you could hear the birds chirping, but I'm down here in South Florida. Yeah. Maybe it's a good thing that Tough gig. Uh, yeah. I'm not participating in your beer league game tonight because I'm I'm just standing out here walking around in the parkade and I'm really heavily sweating. Yeah, so um, stay strong for us, Frank. <laughs> stay strong, okay? Hey, some people just weren't cut out for life on the road. Yeah, that's all right. Uh, thanks, Frank. Uh, there's Frank Cervalli, uh brought to you by South Trail Chrysler. With inventory shortages across the city, it's the perfect time to sell your vehicle for cash. Visit SouthTrailChrysler.com. Straight ahead, uh, we're going to talk some Super Bowl props uh-huh. for our big bets brought to you by Sports Select. Excited about that. Fired up. And uh-huh. Jack uh, Han yep. is going to join us. Uh, wrote a scathing piece about uh, Calgary's Jonathan Huberto. Yeah. We'll talk to him about that. And at the top of the hour, um, Tom from the Whalers and the other guy from the Lushes, who we don't really... Ryan. Yeah, well, he's the rival team. He's a bum. Uh, but the, the guy, the captains of the two beer league teams will join us in studio at 8 o'clock 
We're also still taking your text messages, 960-960. Our Sportsnet 960, the fan text reading robot, uh, wants to hear from you. Um, give us your unwritten beer league rules that you swear and live by. It's so strange that this has actually uh, picked up some steam. Like, there's some things that actually bother people when yeah. they play. No so kidding. weird. So weird. So weird. Uh, 960-960, name and location. We'll do that in the 8 o'clock hour. It's the big show, Russick and Rose. Sportsnet 960, the fan. Hey, it's Haley Salvian from The Athletic. For a look at the latest on your Calgary Flames and NHL news, go click and subscribe to the Hockey Central 960 podcast. While you're there, please rate and review the show. It's Thursday. It's the big show. Russick and Rose Sportsnet 960, the fan live from Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio. Today's the day or tonight's the night. Our beer league game is back at Winsport. The broadcast gets going. Mm-hmm. At 6.30 tonight, Pat Steinberg with pregame at 10 a.m. And he'll have the postgame show till about 1 a.m. <laughs> now, he'll be on the broadcast tonight along with uh, you and me, Maddie. Um, taking your calls, I'm, taking I'm, your texts all night long. I am pretty much, like, again, I am, I'm going to just kind of be on the back of the things, mm-hmm. and I'm just going to add a little comment here, there. Yeah. You and Pat are driving the bus tonight all for right. sure. I'm in. I haven't done... Uh, Play-by-play, I've done, I think, two AJHL games over the last three years that we've Mm. had here on 960. Yep. I did color commentary for the Okotoks Oilers for a couple of seasons back when Kale McCarr was there. Yeah, and Pat's a superior broadcaster to both of us. So I'm just going to sit in the back. Patty's done some color for the Flames this year. Yeah. <laughs> like when Lou got trapped in Edmonton. Yeah. yeah. What's my experience? Zero when it comes to stuff like that. Have you that. never done any play-by-play or color no, or anything ne- like that? that was never my thing. I never really? wanted to do that. It's my thing, too. I, I've never... I yeah. hated it. I just wanted to be a mediocre radio host. And here we are. Yeah. Play-by-play is tough. It is tough. You got to really my get the word My eyes cannot though. follow hockey with the, how quick it is in the game. I can't call that. I like what do you mean your eyes can't follow? <laughs> the way my eyes are, I can't what? follow the game to call it. Is I'm that... saying watching on the game, but my eyes is the way they are. I can't follow the game. So tennis would be no, a no, no, no go for no, you. Anything that's like quick pong type stuff, I no, yeah. can't do that. Wow. That's rough. I don't, yeah. Maybe you should get that looked at. What about uh, golf? I'm wearing glasses. My eyes ain't good. Can okay. you see the golf ball? Oh, I can see the golf ball. Hmm. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. All right. Um. Jack Hand's going to join us, ho- the Hockey Tactics Newsletter and Coaching Consultant. Wrote a scathing piece on Jonathan Huberto. We'll talk to him in about 10 minutes. <laughs> we got the, the snow report coming up. Uh, the the two snow captain- show, but okay. Okay, the snow show. All right. Put some respect on it. Okay, sorry. <laughs> the snow show straight ahead. And then the captains of our beer league teams, Tom from the Whalers, Brian from the Lushes, are joining us at 8 o'clock. Oh, yeah, and Ross Tucker at 8.30. Busy, busy show. So much to get to. On a Thursday, but right now, let's do our NFL big bets. Brought to you by Sports Select. Sports Select has more sports leagues, and for a limited time, better odds on over/under and point spread. Build your ticket at SportsSelect.com. Time to talk some props, gentlemen. Are we doing the spread thing? Not really any spreads. Like yeah. Alex, you you peaked when you said we don't do that here during when I was talking about that was good Albert Alberta but the, since the then, groundhog oh. <laughs> and then it hasn't do you want to hit the spread thing or no no it's too long don't worry about it no, oh. no just keep it by spread, ah, spread it on the spread what a spread mm. before they spread spread your legs spread your legs spread it around spread your wings spread it back all right, we're going to talk some propositions for the big game. Super Bowl 57 in Glendale. 
between the Eagles and Chiefs. Let's start here with the coin toss. Heads and or tails, both plus 100, even money on the coin toss. I'm going tails. Okay, because it never fails? Um, Last time I flipped a coin, it was a head. Okay. So next time is probably going to be a tails. Okay. You That's my tails. logic there. How about that? Okay, I like it. Patrick? Last two uh, coin tosses have gone heads. I'm going to go heads three what? in a row. Yeah. Um, <laughs> what, are you chasing a trend? Yeah. Yeah. Since uh, the first Super Bowl in 1967, oh, Tails has come this? up 29 times. That's last. Heads come wins on. more. Heads has come up 27 times. Oh, okay. So it's real close. Yeah. I'm going to go heads. It's, three in, it's going for three in a row. There you go. Here's the last uh, five or so years. Uh, heads, tails, tails, heads, heads. Yeah, tails. So I'm going to go heads. You're going heads? I'm going heads. You guys are going to lose that bet. Um, the national anthem um, from the first. Who's doing it again? Uh, Chris Stapleton. Chris Stapleton, uh, country artist, I believe. Yes. Yeah, my my yeah my knowledge of country music is very limited to yeah. say the least. Um, Chris Stapleton's going to do the national anthem, and we it's time from the first note sung yeah. to the last note sung. Uh, right now, 121 seconds. Over under, Maddie. I'll take the over. Mm. I feel like he's going to put a lot of, little bit of flair on it. Mm. Okay. You know, uh, I don't know the guy, so I'm going to assume that he really milks his moment in the spotlight. Okay. And uh, lets that thing play. Stapleton's not your, like, run-of-the-mill country artist. He actually puts some work into his music. He's not just, like, one of them <laughs> rapping country guys that you see nowadays. He's actually talented. Yeah. Let him know. Uh, I think Chris Stapleton's going to make this buck. He's going to go over that, that two minutes and uh, one second. We all know that the key to a, an anthem prop is the word brave. Brave. And how long you're going to yeah, go on brave. Now, point. Creed was doing it. Yeah. Um, yeah, because <laughs> they're really relevant right now. You know, I'm going to go under the 121 seconds. Maybe he goes out there, bangs it out real quick. But again, this probably be taken off the board probably within a week when people like Todd Furman realize the actual timing of his rehearsal. Yeah. Who we have on my show every Sunday morning on so Inside the Line. Get on this one. Um, I Can I tell you one thing, though? I would love that. You haven't lived until you've been at an NFL game, and when they say home of the brave and then those jets fly over the stadium, <laughs> oh, oh, my God, it's awesome. <laughs> oh, America! You're like, yes! Yeah. USA! <laughs> USA! I'm telling you. USA! You can't help USA. it. USA! USA! And it's like, home of the brave, and then, America! I want, a, I want like a B-52. One of them big wow. ones. Man, he fired up this morning. Yeah. All right. Um, I love a good the jet engine. Uh, Riri, for all you kids out there. <laughs> Don't uh, do that. Riri. What? It's not that hip. That's her nickname, though. When you say it like that. What do you mean? Because I said it? No, the way you said it. Okay, Riri? Riri. Uh, for, all, for all you kids out there. <laughs> Hello, you fellow kids. Um <laughs> <laughs> Rihanna, is, <laughs> Rihanna is the halftime guest at the Super Bowl. Uh, she's doing the concert. She's back. She hasn't done anything for the first time in five years. Uh, her first song, uh, Diamonds plus 220, Don't Stop the Music plus 250, We Found Love plus 350, Umbrella plus 650, Cheers, Drink to That plus 1,000, and Live Your Life plus 1,400. Maddie, which way are you going? I got to go with Umbrella. This track's a banger. It's probably going to be a little deeper into the thing, but... Mm. I'm going to go with uh, We Found Love. I think the, 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 the it's going to get dark. You heard that little synth, that... Yeah. I think that's going to be electric. I'm going to go We Found Love as the uh, opening song. You know song. what Umbrella's about, though, right? 
Rain? No. 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 It's having relations without protection. Oh. You'll never hear that song the same way now. Don't sing it. Yeah, don't do that. Um, I'm gonna go. Uh, I'm gonna go diamonds. <laughs> I'm gonna go the favorite. I think it's gonna get all quiet. Shine bright like, like a diamond. diamond. I think that's what's gonna. Shine bright like a diamond. Yeah, I'm gonna take diamonds at plus two twenty. All right, uh, the Gatorade bath. We all know uh, this one is one that people want to look at. It's always uh, right at the end of the game. Are they gonna do it? Are they gonna show it? Mm. Um, the one Super Bowl we didn't know. Uh, because they didn't show the Gatorade bath. I think it was the Patriots' last Super Bowl with Belichick. And then they had to go back and show people because there was so much mm. money on the props. And he was he was doused in water, I believe, or clear Gatorade. Yeah, the clear water. Uh, yeah. The Gatorade color, Matty. Um, orange, plus 205. Lime, yellow, green, plus 350. Blue, clear slash water. Red, purple. Which way are you going? I have, I have an angle on this one, too, by the way. I have an angle as well, and mine is that you want to grab the Gatorade jug that is the fullest so you can get your coach the most soaked. Uh, and as a result, uh, it's going to be a Gatorade that nobody likes, which is blue. So I'm going to go with blue. Bad flavor, full jug, lots to pour on your opponents or your head coach. Don't throw Gatorade at your opponent. <laughs> um, okay. What do you like, Patrick Dumont? Uh, you know what? This one's tough. I'm gonna go with clear water, four plus four ten. I think it's. I think it's just uh, you know, like it's clear Gatorade. I hope it's water. Get really chilly. <laughs> yep. You know, so I'm gonna go plus four ten with uh, clear water. Uh, my my go to on uh, the Gatorade, and it's hit uh, the last uh, few years mm. here, is blue because blue is probably the best tasting Gatorade, <laughs> and it is the choice of the it's National a, Football it's League. The opposite of my take. Yeah, and it's the worst. Yeah, and if you look at uh, time seen, uh, orange leads away with five, clear none, blue is next with four, and blue's made a big time comeback mm. here the last decade or so. I think there's a ton of value at blue at plus four hundred. All right. There, there you, go. you go. There's some props. We're going to dive into some player props next week. Next week, as we do our NFL. I, did, I, I saw this one. I was like, points totals more Connor McDavid or Pat oh, Mahomes touchdowns because I, they're playing the same time. I love those cross sport yeah. props. They're awesome. Yeah. Uh, so. We'll talk about a lot of that stuff uh, next week. NFL Big Bets brought to you by Sports Select. Sports Select has more sports leagues and for a limited time, better odds on over, under, and point spread. Build your ticket at Sports Select. Dot com. Uh, the snow show is coming up as well uh, with Matty Rose and the captains of our beer league teams will be joining us in studio. Uh, Brian and Tom will be here. Uh, but right now, uh, wrote an interesting piece on Calgary's Jonathan Huberto yesterday. Uh, Jack Han, uh, the hockey tactics newsletter and coaching consultant on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline. Jack, good morning. How are you? Morning. Doing great. What about you guys? Uh, we're good. Um, I would say the first line of your piece is a little aggressive uh, when it comes to Jonathan Huberto. Well, I mean, I mean, look, so he's had, uh, he had 115 points last year mm -hmm. and then he's, he's on pace to be down by what? 60 points off of that pace this year. Why, what made you decide to write this piece? Why specifically Jonathan Huberto? So, um, a few of my friends are, uh, are, are, are Calgary Flames fans slash writers, Kent Wilson being, being one of them. And this is something that we've been talking about for a while now, actually as soon as the trade happened, because um, if, you, if you look at the, the opinions on Huberto from, from various you know, factions of, of 
you know, in the hockey world, whether it's, you know, more casual fans, whether it's more analytically minded fans, whether it's his agent, um, there's a lot of very divisive, divisive things going on. And, uh, and, and I find it really interesting that basically for me, he's been kind of exactly who he's been, except with a wild swing in terms of how many points he's actually putting up. So one of the things you talk about in this piece, Jack, is uh, that the system, the defense first system that Daryl Sutter runs certainly doesn't, it doesn't benefit the way that Jonathan Huberto plays. Would that be, would that be something you agree with? So, so the main thing for, for people who, who haven't read the article is I actually started off with something that I found during the offseason, which is really interesting, which is in the past three seasons before this year when he was in Florida, Jonathan Huberto was literally the best player in the NHL at three-on-three. Three. So whether if you look at uh, the actual goals when he was on the ice, when you look at like his involvement in these goals, the expected goals, he was number one. He was better than McDavid, better than Barzell, better than Dreisaitl, better than you name it. When he has time and space, he's an elite player. Except if you have to add two more skaters on each side uh, to make it five-on-five five hockey, all of a sudden he's a lot less excellent, which is interesting because essentially that's his biggest challenge as a player in a nutshell, which is he's got great skills, very strong, great straight line skater except under pressure and when he's being physically challenged by defenders in small areas you see that his game starts to sputter a little bit so you've talked about how when opponents initiate contact his feet get stuck that's kind of the quote from uh the story here and and as a result he loses some of those one-on-one battles do you think that there are things that he can work on to move that forward in a direction that could benefit his game, that he could adapt to this system, or do you see this as uh, something that's going to be a problem moving forward? I mean, I, I think any player can improve these things at any age. The, the challenge is when you're already, you know, a, a, a top six player and you're 29 years old in the NHL, it's difficult to make relative progress in a league that's always getting younger and better and, and faster and, and so on and so forth. Right. So uh, for me, like as, as a skills coach or as a, as a coaching consultant now, like it's something that I work on with all my players and I do see progress, but when you're already at the highest level of the sport, it's difficult to go from, you know, average to great or, you know, below average to, to good. So it, it's certainly something that, uh, he can work on whether it's in season or during the off season. And certainly he's got a lot of years left on his contract to, to dial this in. Um, but, but it's not going to be an easy thing by any means. Jack Han, uh, the hockey tactics newsletter and coaching consultant joining us here on the big show, Russick and Rose sports at nine sixty. the fan on the Atlas pizza and sports bar guest hotline. Uh, Jack, I, I wanted to ask you about this because to me, I'm not anti hockey analytics because some, a lot of it makes a lot of sense to me. Zone entries and zone exits makes a lot of sense to me. Uh, possession makes a lot of sense to me and stuff like that. But when I hear things like expected goals, this is my issue with some of the analytics out there that I see on the internet and some people using these numbers as gospel. There isn't a site produced by the NHL that is a universal number that we can all use. It's by people who, and again, I'm not diminishing what they do or what they've done in the game, but there isn't a universal number that the league can say, hey, here is our expected goals that the NHL uses from their 
next generation stats department, much like they have in the NFL. Why don't we have that yet? Because it's hard for me to not think there is some sort of bias rolled into some of these numbers that some of these websites and some of these guys are producing and passing these numbers off as gospel. That's where I'm skeptical. And there's so much gray area in hockey that I'm not really sure I can buy into some of these numbers until the league itself can start producing these numbers at a regular and maybe more reliable basis. Okay, well, I, I mean, that question is, is quite, quite a bit above my pay grade. I, I can't speak for whether it's the league, whether it's the programmers making these um, kind of fan-made sites. Um, I can't speak for any of these folks or, or any of these folks uh, who, who build these systems for the NFL. All I'm saying is if we're just talking about Huberto's case, uh, he's never been a player who's, who's been elite at driving possession because again you know he's really great at finishing these plays in high danger areas when he's got time and space but most of hockey is played along the boards outside the dots under pressure and he's just not as good so it's going to show up in a lot of these higher level you know whether it's Corsi or expected goal stats just because he doesn't help his team get the puck into good areas often enough he might do it once or twice or three times a game but um, his success rate is going to be lower than someone like Johnny Gaudreau, for instance. So, you know, Johnny Gaudreau is obviously somebody that, you know, Calgary fans would know really well. And if you just compare how they both work with the puck when they're being challenged, I think you'll see the difference Mm. uh, in why Gaudreau is considered to be a better possession player than Juberto. So, you know, you don't need to know anything about math to come to that conclusion. It's just, um, when you have these sort of tools at your disposal, you can better drill down on some of the differences between players. And ultimately, like, that's what I'm interested in. You know, it's, if I were more interested in math, I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing now. But, but I find it to be a valuable tool in, in certain respects. Uh, Jack Han, uh, the Hockey Tactics Newsletter and Coaching Consultant. Check out his article. Jonathan Huberto. I got one more before we let you go. Are we getting another playbook for 2023? Because I really enjoyed reading it and using it as I watched the back half of last year in the playoffs. Working on it. So the idea is we'll, we'll get it out in March, uh, just in time for, uh, for the playoffs. So, so I, so I got you covered on this one. Can you just quickly tell us what it is for fans who might not know? Right. So um, I used to work in the Maple Leafs organization. And one of the things that we did as a pre-scout tool for every team that we saw, whether it was at the NHL or the AHL level, was we made a, a, a number of system sheets. So how a team forechecks, how they play in the D zone, how they break out in the power play, how they set up in the offensive zone. Uh, for the first time ever, um, I'm working with an illustrator to bring all of these system sheets to the fans or to coaches and players of lower level so that they can better understand the game from an illustrative perspective. Last year, it was our first edition of doing that. And uh, this year will be an update with, uh, you know, uh, updated sheets for every uh, NHL team plus uh, power play and PK. So basically, if you're interested in how NHL teams play, but nobody's ever sat down and explained things to you, I would do that in illustrative form. So look for that um, around March. All right, uh, Jack Han, the Hockey Tactics Newsletter and Coaching Consultant on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline. Uh, Jack, thanks for this. No problem. Take care, guys. Yeah, and, and again, I'm 
you know my stance on hockey analytics. Yeah. Because yep. some of it to me, like somebody can come at you and say, well, his expected goals or his five on five. Again, we don't have a universal number produced by the league that we know is what specific people who've coached in the game, played in the game, have seen and produced. There's it's just these numerous websites, and even and even I hear Pat uh, referencing Natural Statric. Who's to say that's even a reliable website when it comes to any of this? I don't know who's doing those numbers. I don't know if there's a personal bias. I don't know. Like, that's the problem. Next-gen stats in the NFL is mandated by the league, and they go into all these deep dive of numbers, and you know the league has approved these numbers. I know Gary apparently doesn't care about these types of things, but there is a percentage of the fan base that wants to have this information, and the NHL does not produce any of it, and I think that's a little frustrating. And and to me, don't tell me that expected goals is something that I can really rely on because I just can't. I can't believe it. I can't lean into it a little bit. And I know even Jonathan Huberto, he looks past first. If he if he took some more shots, his Corsi would go up. But again, I understand and Corsi was made by a former NHLer. I understand all of this. I've looked into a lot of hockey analytics. I just can't believe a lot of these numbers are out there because there isn't one universal Bible that tells me these are people who played, coached, managed in the game, who looked at these numbers and are now giving you actual data that the NHLs approved. Well, there's two analytic companies that NHL teams use. There's two companies that there's a, a split between it's it's not an even split, but a majority of the NHL teams use one company that's not public, and a minority use another company that is not public. And then publicly, you've got like you mentioned, Natural Statric. We've had Money Puck mentioned on our show multiple sure. times. Uh, Dom Lecician at the Athletic does his own type stuff. Jack Han, who we just had on the show, does a lot of work with Jay Fresh, who's on Twitter and we've had on the show before. There's a lot out there to choose from, and I, I don't disagree with you, but it, yeah, it, it's the intriguing thing to me is that NHL teams pay for this, and and it's all private, which is fine, but sure. yeah. But again, like I, I would just like a number that all of us can look at and say, hey, the league has mandated this, let's do this, because... I don't like when people get bullied online and all these arguments, and then they bring up like expected goals, expected saves, stuff like that. A lot of it makes sense to me. Possession. The team that possesses the puck more mm. obviously has a better chance to win. Your, your ability to enter the zone and exit the zone. Mm -hmm. Those things make absolute sense to me. But some of this other stuff, until the league mandates something that we can all use as gospel, I'm super skeptical. Well, and about. here's the other thing. Like, when you're going about, like, high danger, medium danger, and low danger chances, I don't love that stuff. Because, because for... Well, there's too much hold gray up. Area, like, man. Leon Dreisaitl, yeah. the most dangerous spot he is is technically outside of the high danger zone. And when he's sitting in that spot on the power play below the circle, he's as dangerous as anybody else in the NHL. That's not a high danger chance. But that's Leon Dreisaitl. When he gets that puck, that's yeah. a high danger chance. But by analytic measures, because it's not in the house, it doesn't count. It's not as in one. the home plate area. Yeah, the house, right. the home plate, whatever you want to call but it. But at the same time, you can have a chance in the home plate area. But then you decide to try to go backdoor for a tap in. But it would have been better for your analytic if you would have took a chance and had that high danger chance. One of the ones that I See, like that, like more. That's why I just can't. I, I can't I'm right there with you. Yeah, one of the ones I do like more is like passes to the slot. Like you mentioned, zone entries when you're a team that has to dump and chase versus controlled entries, like. If you're tracking those type of numbers, I can get behind it. Yeah. But like, 
the the point of it being subjective is a good one because you look at how hits are tracked differently building to building in the NHL and you're telling me that whoever's watching the game has a little bit of a different idea on low danger, high danger, that type of thing. So listen, I think that there's a place for it, but people who live and die by it, that's not my style. Yeah. Um, all right. Uh, the captains of the Whalers and the Lushes, I believe, are in the building. Uh, they're on the other side in the hallway waiting to jump on. But first, uh, before we get to them and Ross Tucker mm. from the Ross Tucker podcast, Westwood One, CBS Sports, a ton of other stuff at 830. Uh, it's time for the snow show, Matty. The snow show. Yeah, and I tried. It's brought to you snow by show. It, snow show. It, snow show. Snow <laughs> show. It's brought to you by Ski West. With Calgary's largest selection of gear and expert staff, Ski West has you covered to make this an epic season. Visit their Kensington or Airport location today or head to skiwest.ca. For the first time in a matter of weeks, we actually have fresh snowfall to talk about in the Mountain Report. How about Castle Mountain? Four inches of snow in the last 24 hours. They got all but one of their trails open and all but one of their lifts open. And it's going to be a great weekend down at Castle. Of course, you got live music Friday night. Matt Blaze is going to be rocking the T-Bar Pub. They also got the open mic night on Saturday. And then musical bingo presented by Big Rock with the greatest hits being the theme on Sunday. Plus, you don't want to miss their environmental scavenger hunt across the mountain if you're heading up to Castle. At Lake Louise, they got the base depth up to 35 inches of packed powder. 114 of their 164 trails are open. All of their lifts are open. Unfortunately, the Torchlight and uh, the Torchlight Ski and Dine Après Ski Party has been canceled this weekend. So if you're planning on going to that, just a, a note. It's still going to be a great time up at Lake Louise, but uh, that banger is not going to be going on anymore. Down at Marmot Basin, same deal. 34 inches packed powder base. All of their trails are open. They got all but one of their lifts open, too. Over at Norquay, it's the Cardboard Sled Derby tomorrow. Are you creative, resourceful, and have a need for speed or like winning things? Then the Cardboard Sled Derby is for you. It's also the Norquay Masters Racing Beer League Series this weekend. Norquay is rocking a base of packed powder up to 59 inches. They've got 59 of 60 trails open in all of their lifts. Over at Norquay, uh, pardon me, Nakiska, 57 of 75 of their trails are open. Four of their six lifts are open going to be a fun weekend out in Akiska. And finally, we'll wrap here with sunshine. Two inches of snow in the last 24 hours. They have a 44-inch powder base depth. 110 of their 145 trails are open and all of their lifts are open as well. Going to be a good time at sunshine. Always love heading there to uh, hang out. That is just snow show. It's brought to you by Ski West with Calgary's largest selection of gear and expert staff. Ski West has you covered to make this an epic season. Visit their Kensington or airport location today or head to skiwest.ca. Great job, Maddie. Straight ahead, uh, the captains from their teams tonight at the Beer League broadcast at Winsport. Uh, Tom from the Whalers, Brian from the Lushes will join us. We're still taking your uh, unwritten Beer League rules that you live by, that you swear by. Yeah. 960-960, name and location. Text team McTexterson. We'll get to those. And uh, might as well have somebody on who played with Tom Brady. Uh, Ross Tucker, uh, NFL analyst Westwood One, the Ross Tucker podcast, will join us at 8.30. And I think we can sneak in Noah, inter Noah's red hot 15 seconds flames take. Well, I don't know if we're going to find 15 seconds, but we can probably make it work. I think we can do that at the end of the show. Okay. Uh, it is the big show. Russ Row, Sportsnet 960, the fan.